G'day, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Beyond 90, the pod. My name's Cheryl Downs. I'm your host, and we've got a very special guest today with us, Alex Chidiak. Alex, thank you for joining us. I hope that you're ready for a couple of questions, none of which are too hard. (laughs) No, thanks very much for having me. Yeah, that's awesome. So just a little bit of background behind you as a player. I suppose you've had a couple of stints in the W League. You've played for Melbourne City twice. You've played for Adelaide United twice. You've played for the Matilda 17 times. And I think you debuted, and I'm going to try and do this from memory, but you debuted in, in New Zealand. I can't remember which town it was, but Yes. No, it was definitely in New Zealand and I came on for about three minutes, didn't touch the ball. It was amazing. Very memorable. Uh. Is, is that the perfect way to debut? You don't touch it so you don't cause any trouble? I think if I was out there, I'd probably fall over it and be, be an inauspicious occasion. Well, I actually got subbed on um, and it was our corner and I was like kind of in like the fullback position for some reason and I had no idea what I was doing there. I just remember like the um, team we're playing against, they they went on a break and I was just so nervous. I was like, just don't score, don't score, <laughs> just get the ball out here. <laughs> just running back and forth, had no idea what I was doing. Um, and then the whistle went and I was like, oh, that's that's my debut. Sweet. <laughs> Is that the frightening thing about the different positions that you play in football? And oh, full disclosure, I am not a football player. I'm a... Um... I'm, I'm a hockey player from, from way back, but in my family, we've got football sort of through and through. So that's kind of how I got involved. But, you know, hockey's the same kind of thing. If you're playing in a defending kind of role, there's always the risk of there's no glory or not as much glory for saving the goal as there is for scoring the goal. But in the midfield, is that like the safest place in the world to be? Oh, depends. I think the midfield sometimes gets a lot of the blame as well if you don't win. Um, and if you lose, so it's, it's kind of like, you kind of get both of it really. Um, yep. Yeah. Yep. And, and then you, <laughs> you also spent, uh, quite a bit of time in Spain. How much time in the end was it that you're in Spain and how good is your Spanish? Uh, so it was two and a half years all up and my Spanish is, I think it's at a pretty decent level now. Um, I can definitely yep. understand more than I can speak and I can read pretty comfortably as well but yeah somebody speaking um I'll be able to follow along in the conversation I just might not be able to speak (laughs) and interject um but nah pretty comfortable by the end of it yeah I I think that's amazing as well because the natives um the native Spanish speakers speak so quickly it's it's really challenging like I, I studied Spanish for ages but I never actually went and lived in Spain and they just speak so quickly I've just got no no clue what's going on yeah no uh, the amount of times it's like they just start like you say hola back and they think that you can just speak Spanish straight away so they're just yep. going and I'm like, ah, <laughs> and then they'll just keep going. So yep. it, yeah, that was kind of my yep. life. Just, just so at the end of it. In, in terms of your experience in Spain, what, what were the key takeaways that you had and did they vary from year to year or season to season? Yeah, definitely. I think um, my first season was very much so adapting to things that I didn't even really think about. I mean, obviously I came over, um, did not know a word of Spanish apart from Ola. <laughs> um, so having to, to deal with the language barrier, to deal with cultural barriers, um, a whole bunch of different things. It was like I wasn't able to focus on 
just football, which was basically my whole life. It was a whole bunch of other things that I found myself, you know, worrying about, like, you know, just simple things like going to the supermarket and just not knowing exactly what everything is. And, and all of those like little different things kind of um, took away, I guess, from just focusing on, on football. I was just thinking about so many things all the time. Um, and, and yeah. And then the second season, um in the off season I started studying Spanish so I'd made sure like that that wasn't going to happen again and I, I got to a pretty good level and then first few weeks of the season were going well and then I got injured so it was a whole different thing to go against so that was my first injury um and having to deal with that while you're overseas um not being able to communicate properly with the medical staff and having to just deal with things um quite differently was a different barrier itself as well so I didn't really get to enjoy a lot of, you know, just playing football. It was a whole bunch of different things, which I think have, you know, made me a lot more well-rounded and and better off now for it. But it was definitely a challenging experience um, in the end. Yeah, I think that's one of the interesting things that each player I talk to, just that being a, a well-rounded player is such a big part of it because, you know, if football is the only thing that you have, you can be very one-dimensional, which is great maybe from some of the football perspective. But as a person, maybe it challenges your enjoyment a little bit because if football's not going well, what else have you got to fall back on? When you were injured, like what was the support that you got and kind of what led up to the in- injury as well in, in a little way? Um, so basically I was, I was actually in the best form that I had been. The coach was really happy with me. Uh, my teammates were, were starting to trust me more. So I finally felt like I was like, I hit that point of settling in and um, it was looking really positive for a good season ahead. And then it was the day before we played against Barcelona. Um, I was thinking that I was going to get some minutes in that game as well. And we're doing a drill just like any other Um and I just got into this horrific tackle. It was meant to be non-contact and one of our defenders didn't, um, like, couldn't, like, understand that with the language barrier. She was from Ukraine um, and just went in, like, studs up, like, it's a really bad tackle. Um, and, and, yeah, that was it. Like, I, just, I knew straight away that it was a, a serious injury, unfortunately. Um, and, and then on, like I had a few teammates, um, support and, you know, they'd always check in on me and stuff as well, but I had a couple issues with, um, the doctor in the end, uh, like I got misdiagnosed. Um, they told me first that it was going to be one month, uh, injury and then three months went by and there was still no progress and a whole bunch of things just kept happening. And I was like, what, what's going on? They could never tell me really why, what the issue was. And then the blame got put back on me that it was my fault. Like it just became a little bit of a mess in the end. And um, even though I could actually speak Spanish by that point, um, I was still not getting any answers, which yeah, in, yeah, in the end, I mean, that's a big reason why I'm back here now because, you know, I had to get the, the right treatment to actually be able to play again. Yeah, it's really interesting, actually, when you look at other leagues around the world, and there's been a lot of conversation about the W League this season with so many of the Matildas, yourself included, it prior to then had been sort of not not targeted or not targeting the W League to play in, yet the support and the, the medical and the just the whole collective bargaining agreement that surrounds playing in the W League is maybe, I don't know if it's the best in the world. I don't know your your thoughts and comments on that, but it's definitely up there. 
No, I mean, from from all the people, I mean, our my team in um, Athletica, we had, I think it was 13 different nationalities at one point. And, and when I talked about the standards of the W League, they were all shocked. <laughs> they were like, wait, yeah. you, really, you really get that? I was like, yeah. Um, so I don't think that I realised how good we actually had it in here in Australia um, until I went overseas and, and spoke to other people as well. And, um, yeah, no, it definitely um makes it a lot easier when you're back here to just just focus on being a footballer because you have all the other things um sorted out for you and that's you know the amazing thing about this year um the help that I've had from City to just get all of my uh, medical needs taken care of it just happened like that I mean compared to um it was a nine month hole in in Spain where nothing was really happening and then I come back home and I'm seeing progress each week so um, yeah, that that difference in itself. I mean, I think we're all very, very fortunate. Yep, and those those experiences are important not just for you, but for other players who are considering their you know first or second or third overseas move and the different things that you need to take into account, which may be financial, which may be exposure to different styles of playing, but mm-hmm. that support that you're going to need along the way. Have you shared your experiences with other other players as well, or have you communicated with some of the other players in other leagues around the world too? Yeah, no, I've definitely been very honest about my experience. I wouldn't tell people not to go to Spain. It was more just about being aware of some of the things that are different. I mean, I, there were so many positive things that um, came out of it as well. I mean, just learning the style of play, the language. I mean, I did love living in Spain and, and being around that. Like, everybody just lives and breathes football. All of that, you know, we could just like bring a ball out into the street and have a pickup game. Like it was just like things that I did genuinely love about being there. Um, But I think unfortunately with the injury, um, maybe it would have been a completely different experience. Maybe I'd still be in Spain right now. Who knows? Um, But it was just that, that I really couldn't handle anymore. I mean, I was just not, (laughs) not able to play. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's a perfect segue. Speaking of living and breathing football, we've got Eric Subijano who's joined us on the podcast as well. Eric, welcome. We've got Alex Chidiak here talking to us about her experience in Spain, but I I know that you've got a couple of questions that you wanted to throw in there as well. Uh, Thanks for joining us, Alex. So yes, Melbourne City have uh, quite a few younger talent, up and coming talent that had it amongst all of City's, shall we say, younger players, the up and coming players, who among them have impressed you the most this season? Um, I think the two that probably stand out um, would be Leah Davidson and, and Holly Palmer for me. Um, I got to play on my first game with them. I think they were a part of the midfield. Um, and, you know, they're just very, um, they, they just have a presence already. You know, you can tell that they're very comfortable on the ball, um, very football smart and just eager to learn as well. So um, it's really cool, like getting to play with them um, and see how they've progressed throughout the season already. Yeah, uh, with all those younger players, do you feel like you've had to transition into more of a leadership role than maybe in previous seasons? Yeah, I think there's a bit of a running joke that I'm now a senior player at the age of 22 in the team. So um, it is kind of strange. I mean, yeah, with the the midfield we've currently got now with the Norwegian um, international as well, she's 21 and Leah's 19 and I'm 22. So it's a bit bit weird being the oldest one. Um, but yeah, I feel like there is, um, I guess, a little bit of a, a leadership role um, just from the experiences that I have had, uh, but it doesn't really change much of how I am um, just on the field. I still still kind of joke around a little bit and just um, have fun like a kid. So. 
Yeah. You, but you do come across it in that sort of mature and calming presence on the field. And I remember the days um, before you had gotten out of your quarantine, which we should ask you how much fun that was as well. But I'm sure it wasn't about as much fun as Novak Djokovic had in his quarantine. Um, yeah, it, it's interesting. You you have changed the way that City has been playing and it's, you know, they're, they're not playing the football that they were or they're probably quite possibly playing a similar level, but some of the other teams are playing better as well. But since you joined the team earlier on in the season, it, it did definitely change their mil- midfield and the way that they were able to build up the game. Is that something that um, Rado sort of had specifically invented for you or how did that come about? Um, I think, you know, with all of us coming at different times as well, um, I think if you're looking at our midfield, we're definitely more suited to, to being on the ball. I mean, myself, I'm not someone that will make those runs in behind and beat everyone with pace. Um, and I think the first couple of games of the season, we were playing long balls quite a lot and that was just not suiting the players that we had. I mean, we do have pace up front, but um, for the midfielders to get up there and be able to, to support, it was it was quite difficult. So I think um, we've now started to change a little bit um, as we've probably noticed in the last few games and the way that we're starting to play um, with all of our midfielders getting on the ball a lot more and trying to, to switch the ball from side to side and, and really break teams down instead of being a little bit predictable going long each time. So um, I think things have changed and especially the last few weeks. I mean, we haven't had a game in a while with our little mini lockdown that we've had. <laughs> um, we're still able to train though, but I think we've also been really honing in on what, kind of style of play we want we want to be playing on the field and we're all very comfortable in in what we're going to be doing for the second little bit of the season um for us so I think in a way that mini lockdown is a bit of a blessing in disguise to be able to have some time to to regroup and um really get an understanding of how we want to play so yeah hopefully this next um little bit of the season we can get all wins and uh see what happens yes the other thing I wanted to ask Alex was um Obviously, you're from South Australia. So how do you feel about seeing Adelaide United, you know, going and go on the run that they have this season? I'm just really happy for all the girls. I grew up playing alongside all of them and they really deserve to be having the success that they're having at the moment. I mean, they're all great players. I think um, they've been underrated in the past seasons, but all of them now, if you look at them individually, they're all amazing, but they've been playing together consistently as a team and I'm not surprised that they're doing well it's honestly no surprise to me and it's also great to see Dylan Holmes wearing the captain's armband it makes me happy um but all the girls just look like they're having a lot of fun and enjoying their football and that's how you're going to win games at the end of the day if everybody's you know a really tight-knit group like they are um you don't really need to have the big name players but I'm sure in a couple years they will be um you know lots of them in the Matildas I wouldn't be surprised what what do yeah. you look at when you look at your your road home? So we've just finished round nine, but it's you know we've talked about some of the compression that different teams will have to go through. Perth being one of the most significant teams, but but for Melbourne City, I think you've got two matches in what they're calling round twelve, which is against Newcastle and the Wanderers. Um, you've only, yep, you already play the Wanderers in round ten as well, so you'll play them away. Then you've also got Perth twice in round thirteen and round fourteen. What do you? Think think about that sort of those five remaining games that you've got and what does it mean to the season to finish strong I mean I think it's just important to to all of us um just to know that we've been building and we're going to get rewarded for that I think 
um, the way that we've been performing in training has not replicated how we have been in the games. And, you know, unfortunately sometimes that happens and we get unlucky. I think in the Sydney game, um, you know, I think we were dominating. We definitely could have won that game, but then, you know, football happens, we get a red card and, and everything changes. Um, but yeah, I really think that, you know, we're going to see a completely different city side coming out in, in the next few weeks. And um, yeah, once again, hopefully lots of wins. <laughs> I'll, I'll be happy with that. I'm not sure if Eric, who has worn a Western Sydney Wanderers jersey to a post-match press conference with the opposition team before. Eric, I don't know if that's one of your best moments or your worst moments. It's, I think it's both at the same time. <laughs> um, but actually, we did have another question, Alex, coming in from Dale, one of our other writers. Uh, apologies if this has already been asked, but he just wanted to know how you felt um, watching the league kind of grow up from afar, like the W League. And also the second question was, what about uh, your experience at Atletico Madrid uh, has shown what we as Australia could do well or could improve? Okay. So, um, I mean, I think it's it's always great. I mean, I was watching the W League while I was away in Spain. I mean, the timings were a little bit off, but then I rewatched the games later. Um, and you can see how how strong it's getting. And, and lots of the players overseas that I spoke to, they all do want to come to Australia. They do complain that it's too far away, but I'm like, I do this flight weekly. Like, just <laughs> just come, just come over. Um, I think, obviously, the major thing is um, the season is so short, so that turns away a lot of um, European players as well. But we do have a lot of quality here. Um, and, you know, that's being showed out, showed now. I mean, lots of the Matildas aren't here in the league at the moment, but it's still a quality league and there's still been some great results and great football being played. Um, and then in terms of Spain, I think it's kind of it's kind of hard to to compare Australia and Spain. I mean, in Spain, football is you know a second language. They speak Spanish in football, <laughs> um, whereas in Australia we have so many different sports, and that you know that also does set us apart um, and brings a lot of great things. I mean, we have lots of players in the league that do play other sports as well, um, and that makes them better footballers in general too. But I think it's just very different. Um, you can't really compare the two. You know, it's different styles of play. But I think the one thing that just needs to happen here in the W League is, you know, at least a home and away season and just playing longer because that will only make players better and then maybe we'll be keeping more players here instead of losing them to Europe. Um, not saying that going to Europe is a bad thing. Of course, it's not a bad thing. But if we did have people playing um, here all year long, I mean, there's going to be a lot of people that will want to come um, and players will only get developed more and more. So talk to us about 2021. It's it's the year of the Tokyo Olympics. It's the year that, I mean, in a couple of weeks, it would have been a year since we've last seen the Matildas play, which I think was the 11th of March against Vietnam. So it's it's been a long, long time in between breaks. What do you see in 2021 from a Matildas perspective um, with Tony Gustafsson, uh, hopefully some games, hopefully the Olympics? What does it all look like? Um, I honestly have no idea. What <laughs> um, I haven't really been that much in contact with anyone from the Matildas for a while now. So I'm not sure about the schedule. I mean, I get a couple emails here and there. Um, I think the Olympics is going ahead, but once again, I'm not too sure about anything um, like that. So wrong person to ask, unfortunately, but um, I think if, obviously if the Olympics goes ahead, they're going to have to have games. They're going to have to have camps to be able to bring everybody together. Um, Cause I know already in Europe, there are lots of the um, teams are getting to play games, international games, and we're going to be on the back foot 
um, just because we aren't able to to meet and play. Um, but yeah, I think if, if the Olympics goes ahead, there'll be lots of camps just crammed into one to be able to, to get the team in the best shape possible to perform on that stage. Um, but yeah, look, it's, it's a hard one. It's obviously, um, with COVID, everyone just has to adapt and, you know, that's unfortunately the way that it, it is at the moment. Do you think Australia maybe has a little bit of a disadvantage given that um, our players are so dispersed? I mean, there's a number of Matildas or or people in and around that Matilda space in Australia. So in particular, we see a number of players in, in Brisbane, um, but Melbourne City has definitely got a play, couple of players as well. And then you look around the world and, and there's plenty. Like, you know, yeah. so is that – it obviously makes it harder – yeah, I think it does make it harder. I mean, you can't really have a camp over Zoom and, and really see what's going on, um, unfortunately, for us. But also, you know, with the quarantining rules as well, I mean, you're not really going to want to bring all the players to do two weeks and, you know, you're not going to want to send the girls in Australia to go overseas and then come back and do two weeks in quarantine. So um, I guess it's about figuring out the best way to, to make this possible um, to see see what happens. But, yeah, of course, there is a, a disadvantage there. But if you're looking at it from a, you know, a, a bigger perspective, I mean, we're just very lucky in Australia, the way that we have handled COVID, that it's not, you know, this one massive outbreak and we can't leave our homes. We are, you know, very fortunate to be able to play, be playing games as footballers, but also just be able to have everyday lives and, and go out and enjoy that. Um, I was in lockdown in Spain for a while. It was pretty grim. <laughs> it was definitely quite grim. And there's, you know, um, there's still so many rules and restrictions um, from what I'm hearing from my teammates as well. So, yeah, if we're looking at, at it from that perspective, I think um, all of us can, you know, just understand that this is just how it's going. And we're pretty fortunate when we really look at it. I'm going to let Eric ask a question and maybe I'll ask one more and we'll wrap it up and let you head off on your way unless you want to. Well, we hope that you might shed some thoughts on the W League of, of the other teams as well, some some players that have been standing out for you across the board. But before we jump into that, Eric, do you have a question you wanted to jump in with? Sorry, Shares, I think I'm out of questions. <laughs> Not even one question? Come on. Uh, <laughs> He's read all about you on Wikipedia already. There's nothing yeah. else that he needs to do. <laughs> you know, just to... Just depends whether or not you edit the Wikipedia page yourself or not. <laughs> I wish I could. I'd, I'd put yeah. a lot of funny things in there if I was able to do yeah. that. <laughs> so, so looking at the W League competition, you know, there's been a, a number of players that have really been taking that opportunity that they might not have been presented if many more Matildas were here. Is there is there a team that stands out or is there a player that's really standing out for you? Um, if I'm being completely honest, I haven't watched as much W League as maybe I should have been watching. Um, but the game, the games that I have watched, I really do enjoy. Obviously, Adelaide. I'll applaud them on that. They are playing um, really, really well, and I'm really happy to see their success. But also Canberra. Um, I do really like the way that they're playing, and um, I think they have really good team um, unity as well you can see that when they're playing they're all fighting for each other and you know in that game that they did um, beat Adelaide right at the start of the season you could just see how much it meant to them and how much work they're putting in and um, I've spoken to a couple of the players there as well and they're just all enjoying their football too and you can just see like when that happens um, you're going to get results and um, you're going to be playing well so I think um, yeah Canberra would probably be um, up there for me too. 
Yeah, good. You definitely can say, Sydney, I was just being cheeky before. I have a, a cheeky person. Because I'm on the podcast usually with the two guys who are Sydney-based, I make sure, sure I do some Sydney sledging and make sure I get some Melbourne love along the way. But yeah, Alex Chidiak, I'd love I'd love to um, have you on the pod again sometime. It's great to hear how your journey has been. I, I know that there's been some ups and downs, but it's mostly up from when you look about it from the outside in. Um, so we've really enjoyed talking to you. Good luck for the rest of the season. I hope it goes as well as you want it to. And, and I hope the the Matildas and Tokyo all goes the right way for you as well. No, thank you very much. Really enjoyed the chat. Yeah, invite me whenever you want. I'll be ready. <laughs> awesome. Thanks very much. Oh, Eric, that was great. I really enjoyed talking to Chids and and it's funny. I just feel that she's been around the game for so long that she's so much older than 22, but I, I love the mm. fact that she is young and she's still enjoying her football. So thanks again to Alex Chidiak from Melbourne City. I think all of our guests should be from Melbourne, but I'll probably get some some flack for that. So we'll, we'll reach out and we'll get some more players and, and some more people around football as much as possible. Hey, there's some hot topics this week, Eric. The fixture came out. I I think that's a a pretty hot topic. And I've done some analysis because I like to do that sort of thing. But it's it's still hard. I think obviously the hardest is for Perth, who've got seven matches in Mm. 31 days, which Mm. on average is a game every four and a half days. I don't even know how you manage to do any recovery sessions in that. What are you what are your quick takeaways on on the fixture? It's it's a nice surprise that we actually have the whole season now. But um, really, it's my takeaways. It's just, well, I mean, it's the best that I think FA could do given the situation. It's really unfortunate for Perth that you, they've uh, gone from one extreme to the other, from no games to um, many, many games in quick succession. I think, as, as we think we'll probably discuss um, when we chat about Brisbane versus Perth, the um, short turnarounds are going to be a big problem for them. And uh, they do actually have another one next week because they, they are involved in the second Thursday night football game. But, yeah, it's just yeah. really uh, – it's, it's hopefully things can settle down. We Next season can be a bit more, like, structured like we're used to. And, of course, this whole thing about hopefully one day – we keep banging on about it, but full home in a way would at least alleviate one of the problems in terms of, you know, team uh, – unbalanced schedule. Hopefully one day we can get that balanced schedule that we we're all craving for. Yeah. Did you, did you have a chance to chat to Alex Aparkas and you and I have both been quite busy. I've not had much time to look at who's been doing what, but one of the key things is, I mean, it was a, almost a dream role for him to pick up a W league team to go off and, and coach, but only to be thwarted by the impacts that COVID has seen and everyone's been impacted by it. So I'm not belittling anyone's journey, but certainly for Alex, I think he would have hoped for a little bit of an easier run getting into his first W league um, head coach role. There's no um, post-match presses at Wanderers home games. It has to be over the phone, which is unfortunate. I kind of, now I really wish he'd gotten a chance to play Sydney FC, but it it is what it is. Um, But yeah, it's, it's a great opportunity. Alex, uh, is the kind of person that, you know, he's always looking forward. He's got a very broad mindset and whatever the challenges, he'll look to see what he's learned, what he's learned out of it. He'll look for the positives of his current situation, what he can learn from it, what he can bring into his next role, what he can improve on, wherever that role may be, whether he's with Perth next season or whether he um, takes up another coaching opportunity. So I think in he had we all know the challenges. It would have been it would have been a very stressful time for him and for everyone at Perth Glory. But uh, I think 
So let's have a, a look at the, the rounds that remain. And if we look at the top four teams, or maybe people have been talking about a top five as much as they've been talking about a top four, just because, you know, we're at that little argy-bargy space at the end. But if I look at Adelaide initially, who are currently, uh, I think they were in, are they in fourth position? They are in fourth yep. place. So, so their run home, they've got both Sydney and Brisbane. So I think they're two of the the toughest matches that you can get. And then they've got the Wanderers who are in sixth and they've got Newcastle who are in seventh. So they've got Mm. a pretty balanced run home, but whether or not if they are able to pick up six points from the games where they're above the teams, it'd be interesting to see, will that be enough to get them to the end? When we look at Brisbane, they've only got three games remaining, but really they're in a a pretty good spot. They're six points ahead of Melbourne victory. So they're sitting in second spot. They've got Adelaide, Newcastle and Canberra. I think both Adelaide and Canberra can be a challenge for them. I think unfortunately for Newcastle, maybe not, yeah, maybe not as (laughs) big an opportunity for Newcastle to take points away from them. Canberra have got five matches, but they're probably not so much in the running at the moment, unless you think so, Eric. Oh, that game in hand that they have on Adelaide is crucial. And it's also crucial that one of those games is against Melbourne Victory. And they are, despite Victory being in third, Canberra are only two points behind them. So, I mean, in a sense, um, that game on the weekend between Canberra and Victory, it's almost like the final starting early because uh, Canberra, I mean, it's it's not quite must-win territory for Canberra, but it's definitely must-not-lose territory. Yeah, I kind of, I didn't want to draw too much attention to that because I didn't want to put the mocker on myself about that victory match, but it is, it is a massive match. Um, yeah, I think every time I try and predict what's going on, but even when we look at Canberra, I mean, they have Brisbane and Sydney, which are, are really big games in Melbourne victory. So three of their... F- Three of their remaining five games are against teams above them. And then you've got Perth and Newcastle where hopefully they would feel a little bit more confident. Talking to Chids, interesting with Melbourne City, they do have five games remaining as well, I think it is. But in those five games, if they were to pick up every single point from those, is it a legitimate chance for them to reach the top four? And you'd have to think yes, but it would be they wouldn't have control of their own destiny. It would require, well, it really requires two out of Melbourne, Victory, Adelaide United and Canberra to collapse for them to have any chance of making the top four. But, you know, there's definitely a chance for them to finish strongly. They got, actually, it is all games against the teams around them. So it's two against the Wanderers, two against Perth, one against Newcastle. So there's a good chance to really rack up some points and, you know, improve their table position. I did also want to point out that, you know, while the Thursday the Sunday turnaround is tough. At least they're at home both times. So that should be a little bit easier for them. They get to sleep in their own, they get to sleep at their own homes. They, it, it will be, in terms of a three-day turnaround, it's always tough, but there'll be as little disruption as there'll be less disruption than normal, if that makes sense. Yep, yep, 100% agree. So then we look at Melbourne Victory, who are currently sitting in third on the ladder, and correct me if I'm wrong, because it's probably quite often the case. They've run home, they've got five matches remaining. They've got Canberra, who whilst they're below them, I I think are a really quality team and and can absolutely take the points, uh, depending on how Melbourne Victory play. I think Victory have been 
a bit inconsistent earlier in the season, but they're finding their form and a bit more balanced. They've got the Wanderers Perth twice and then in a round 13 match against Sydney. So the Sydney one, if they can manage to get a point off them, it, you know, I think victory should be pretty well okay locking in a third or fourth position. I'm almost just saying that first and second sit there for Sydney and Brisbane right now. Um Newcastle, Perth, and then we've got Sydney, who Sydney have got one, two, three, four games remaining. And I, I think, you know, Sydney, the way that they've been playing, you'd have to say that they'd be pretty sure of getting most, if not all of those points. Any any final f- thoughts from you on that one? Um, yeah, just give, <laughs> given my... Um... NPL TV commitments that I anticipate having. It's good that um, Sydney FC and Wanderers got all their home games out of the way early in the season. There's only one left at each. So uh, in that sense, I, I'm, I feel like I'm not going to miss out on much, at least in terms of watching live football. So the draw has worked out for me, at least. Yeah, I think an interesting thing as well, when we talk about that Perth have seven games, the good thing is of of their seven games, because it'd be really exhausting if they're doing that massive trip over and over for those seven, five of them are at home. So there's five games remaining at Dorian gardens, which for Perth is, is in definitely in their favor. I think there's also five matches, which are to be confirmed. And I think they are all the Melbourne city matches, which just goes to show that, um, the um the wonder ground that they've got hasn't necessarily yet hit the mark for them. Yes, I think there's also Canberra City in round 14 is also to be confirmed. But yes, it is they are mostly Melbourne City games. It's unfortunate and um it's kind of a shame because we we might be robbed of the chance to see what Melbourne City could have built in terms of home field advantage down at uh, Dandenong. All right. Hey, there's other big news in football. It's not just been about the fixture. Heather Reid has been uh, ousted from the Football Australia board, which is something that we'll try and get more detail on that in the future. I know that there was a vote. I know the results of the vote. Heather Reid has been an amazing presence for women's football, particularly in capital football in Canberra, but also in her tenure at Football Australia. She is a, a... someone who has led the way for so many years. So love to get some time talking to Heather Reid. Other big news is Optus Sport has secured the rights to the Women's Euro in 2022. So if you haven't yet got your um, your Optus Optus subscription, which you need to watch the FAWSL, probably high time that you start putting some money aside for that. Facebook has uh, caused quite a little bit of a a challenge for lots of different places, including Beyond 90. But I think for us, there's, I mean, there's definitely ways around it, but it has impacted the football community quite a bit. And I know that Football Australia have reached out to lend their support, at least in terms of getting getting all of those uh, clubs and call them news organisations if you want. But yeah, that's been a, a big upset. The the last thing probably on the list that I've got in here is around a football tattoo. How, how's your arm? It's um, less tender than it was last Monday. And it's uh, my lovely new tattoo of Denise O'Sullivan in the Wanderers jersey, that which was taken by Beyond, based on a photo by Beyond 90s of Kelly Levin. Follow her stuff on at KLZ Photography. It's healing quite nicely and I'm very happy with it. Tell us the story be, behind choosing to get a football tattoo and choosing that one in particular. Okay. As anyone who has followed me on Twitter in the 
say the last 12 months or so a bit more or possibly a bit more knows I love Denise O'Sullivan I also love uh Kelly Lemon's photography and I say all the time that uh she's the she's one of the people that carries my articles with her amazing shots so I thought what 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 could be better I'll combine the two I'll look for a photo that Kelly has taken of Denise O'Sullivan and luckily I was able to find one it's from it's from the a game that the Wanderers played down in McKellar Park against Canberra on Boxing Day 2019. I was, I did a scored in a game wearing the away team's jersey at the home team's press conference afterwards. So I feel like this is pretty much a perfect situation. Does it potentially start an interesting trend for you that any and all players that you like, because I, I happen to know that there's more than one player that you like, do you end up feeling the pressure to get a tattoo of more than one. And, and I remember having a conversation with Jess Fishlock a couple of years ago when she was playing here and she said that each different place that she goes to and plays, she likes to get a tattoo, which is not necessarily a memento of playing at Melbourne Victory or Melbourne City, um, maybe just around her experiences as a person in Melbourne. Uh, so she ended up with quite a, a number of tattoos and it might be still growing. Is, is that what we will see with Eric? Well, uh, the thing is, I don't have enough skin to get all my favorite players. That's the start, but uh, it just is an idea. I I couldn't shake the idea out of my head out of my head when I got it last year, and that and the way I work is if I can't get rid of an idea, that means I should do it. So I've done it. I do have some ideas for tattoos, but they're uh, not necessarily Woso related or even you know, football related. Watch this space to see what I do next. All right, and then the last thing, which is kind of a hot topic, but it's also part of W League, is that we saw the return of Larissa Crummer. And in the same way that, you know, when we, when we think about Adelaide United's journey and, you know, being in a position now where they're in a good hunt for the finals, and I, I'm assuming that most people, and particularly me, feels really heartened to see them there. I feel that similar emotion when I see Larissa Crummer get back on onto the pitch. But not only that, she scored a goal. It was such an exciting moment. She was the 2015-2016 Golden Boot winner it, playing for Melbourne City. In that same year, she won W League Young Player of the Year. She's she's played for Sydney, Brisbane Raw, Melbourne City. Uh, she's back to Brisbane Raw now. She also played for Newcastle, which is where she suffered, I think, the leg break there. Um, how exciting was it for you to see her back on the park? Exciting to finally see her healthy. Really, it's just it's just great to see her. It's you know injuries like especially like the one that has suffered. Every player's worst nightmare. And you, you don't want to ever see a player get seriously injured. So, you know, it's fantastic to see her back. Oh, well, that was the bunch of hot topics that we had for the week. Now we're looking at the um, round nine results. So the Wanderers had a 1-0 victory over Perth Glory. Melbourne victory won 2-0 over the Newcastle Jets. Sydney had a 2-1 win against Adelaide United, but it looked like it was kind of tight. And then Brisbane Raw with a top game against Perth Glory, four, four good goals. Emily Gilnick pulled up a little bit sore, so I think that's a concern. But also the return of Larissa Crummer, as we just mentioned, with a goal in the 87th minute. Um, how do you feel your tipping's going, Eric? Because I'm kind of abandoning mine a little bit at the moment. Um, I think uh, I did okay with the results, though my goal predictions were awful this um, on the past weekend. So I I got uh, correctly tipped Melbourne victory, Sydney FC and uh, Brisbane 
my tip of Perth getting the victory on Thursday night did not eventuate, but none of my goal predictions came out. So no goals for Malia Steinmetz, Angela Beard, Ali Green, Isabel Bolton, unfortunately. <laughs> well, hopefully they'll get some goals before the end of the season. I wanted to mix it up a little bit as well, probably just to tighten up our, our podcast, but in to- instead of talking about uh, goal of the round, save, pass and tackle, I was really keen to hear across all the matches that you had the opportunity to watch, if there's one player that you could nominate as your player of the round. Tough ask, but go for it. Really, the obvious choice is Emily. I was about to say, Emily, when you mentioned Emily Gilnick pulled up sore, did she, um, did she pull up sore from scoring two bangers? Because that's what it looked, that's all pretty much all I remember. Just, but I mean, that's a bit too obvious for me. So I think I'm going to have to nominate Claire Wheel of City FC, who just really just bossed the midfield. Here she made sure she made sure the ball was hers. She she's not big, but she uses her body incredibly well. Got off the attention of defenders. Her distribution's usually on point, and uh, she she really was a big room that CFC managed to propel in what was by the end a very heated contest against Adelaide. Yeah, fair enough. I think for me, I can't, um, as much as I've put you hard on the spot and said, who's your player of the round? I don't think I'm necessarily to pick one, uh, ready to pick one out, but I would definitely say the game of the round for me was to see Sydney against Adelaide and, and see in, in some respects how close that match is. And in the olden days, you would have a look at a match like Sydney and Adelaide and you would say, well, Sydney could almost put on some of their bench players and they'd be okay and still have a, a good gap of a win against them. But now it's it's really become a, a strong challenge for them. So I'm just loving the way that Adelaide United are coming. I love the way that the um, the Football Federation South Australia um, are coming behind them as well and they're organising, trying to break records over there. So, yeah, I'm, I'm right behind all of that. So that's, that's good stuff. Uh, what else do we have on our list of amazing things to talk about? We can talk about round 10. Um, I'm trying to have a look at it to see that we've got uh, the Wanderers are going to play Melbourne City on Thursday night. We've also got another match on Thursday night with Perth against Sydney. Is that right? Am I wrong? Is there a double-double? It is double Thursday night football in three days' time, and I'm thrilled. Is that something that we should have more often? Is that going to be... I mean, particularly if you've got a West Coast match and an East Coast match, it's really doable. It's doable that the only thing I'd be hesitant of, and I think um, Ante Juric mentioned it in um, the audio we got, I got from Kroma Park yesterday after that fantastic match between Sydney and Adelaide. Um, it's, it's a challenge for the A team because, yeah, he's, he's talking about players that he has players that can't actually play in this game. He's, and um, Ante Juric even mentions his own commitments outside of Sydney FC. That's going to make a pickle for him. So, there were a couple of other things I loved from uh, the last round of football. Uh, going back to Thursday night, Julianne Russell, she's um, found it going a bit difficult at times in her first W League season, but um, she's, you know, we know her quality, you know, many, many caps for the Republic of Ireland. And it was great to see her get her first W League goal, the winner is Perth, and she took that one really well. Uh, elsewhere, Sydney Adelaide, I think going back to what you said earlier about the Adelaide of old, I felt like the Adelaide of old would have, there was a high chance of them capitulating once Sydney went 2-0 up. And it's really a testament to what Adrian Stenter has built. Adelaide with all those young players, those local players, that they managed to fight their way back into the ends. They really made it nervous for Sydney FC in those final minutes. And, it, and they might even point 
if it wasn't for that late John Wyman stay from uh, Cote Rojas. And also the other thing I just wanted to say is that um, something in Brisbane, the Brisbane Perth game reminded me of the saying I once heard, um, all left foot calls are beautiful and Olivia Chance's strike against Perth Glory certainly was beautiful. First time, completely unsavable, cheap. So um, Olivia's Kiwi teammate, Lily Alfeld, who's been fantastic this season, had no chance. And But, you know, what a goal from Olivia Chance. Yeah, nice little summary there, or not little by any stretch. It was a, a good detailed summary. So happy to hear that. So round 10 coming up, we've got the double on Thursday night, which will be great to see plenty of football. We've then got Friday night football as well with Newcastle against Adelaide at number two sports ground, which I think is the sports ground that you guys are petitioning to get renamed after my own namesake. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, so it's something started by Dale, and I'm happy to go along with this so unofficial, unofficially, or maybe even officially, uh, I feel like we at Beyond 90 should start referring to number two sports ground in Newcastle as Cheryl Salisbury Field. <laughs> I'm, I'm into it. All right. That, that is exactly what we will do. And then the last match of the round is on Sunday, so there's no Saturday football. And for me, it's probably the match of, of the round. And as Eric said as well, it's almost a little bit of a, a mini finals, you know, the, the last game to see who gets the points. So it's Melbourne victory at home at Epping Stadium against Canberra United. Canberra making the trip down. Victory have been in pretty good form. So if I had to tip one, and I don't want to get too involved in this tipping because I'm just no good at it, um, I would pick Melbourne victory, but that's quite possibly hard overhead. It looks like um, Brisbane have got a buy, which given the um, the injury or, or the soreness that we saw for Emily Gilnick, it's probably a good thing. And if she needs a bit of a rest, hopefully she'll come back. I think the other thing is, as we were talking to Alex Chidiak about, we are keen to start seeing some news coming out about the Matildas, whether or not they're going to get a game sometime. We, we're seeing a bit of football at the moment with She Believes. So it's exciting times and we definitely, it's good to see um, Emily Gilnick in good form. We want that good form to continue into the Matildas um, final thoughts from you, Eric. I'm looking to an. I'm looking forward to another great round of W League. Um, I did have my predictions because um, I have no fear of getting things wrong, so I'm prepared to keep predicting. So, Wanderers Melbourne City. I'm predicting a win for Melbourne City, and this is the goal prediction I've been waiting for all season. I am predicting a goal for Tory Tumith. Then the <laughs> second Thursday yep. game. The second Thursday game. I. It's, it's tough with both teams on the short turnaround. I did also want to note, neither teams have a game on the weekend, so I think maybe it might just be a venue availability thing at Dorian Gardens, which has forced this game to a Thursday night, but we'll see how it will see how it goes. I think Sydney will scrape it by the single goal, and I'm predicting a goal for Rachel Lowe. Then uh, Newcastle-Adelaide on the Friday night up at Cheryl Salisbury Field. That, I can't say, I think that'll be a draw. Adelaide have have been great, but I don't believe they've won an away game yet this season. So I think, unfortunately for them, that run will continue. Newcastle good enough to get a point against Adelaide, and I'm predicting a goal for Chloe O'Brien. And then, uh, again, victory Canberra. I think victory, they found they found their form after a little bit of weakness earlier in the season. They'll get the three points, and I can't go past, given the upcoming milestone, a goal for Amy Jackson. 
Well, that sounds pretty good. I do wonder whether or not we will see Michelle Heyman back in the goal scoring books because in the the goal scoring uh, table, I think Emily Gilnick is on eight goals, two ahead of Michelle Heyman now. So it's a she's getting a tiny bit of a gap in in a small season. Before we end the pod tonight, I want to spend just a, a short moment thanking someone who has been a part of our team for such a long time. And the team before we were this team at Beyond 90, we were an excellent team at, at the women's game. Dan Henney has been our Newcastle correspondent for longer than I've been around the game. I think Dan has been working together with Anne Odong, uh, doing amazing coverage for all of the players in Newcastle. So such an important part of our team, such a great guy. Uh, Dan's taking a break after uh, 10 good years, I think, uh, of covering women's football in Newcastle in particular. And we, we wish him all the very best in trying to get some balance back into his life. We're definitely not letting him go. He'll always be part of the family, but just wanted to give you a shout out, Dan. Thank you for all of the work that you've done. And we look forward to seeing you back with us hopefully in 2023 echoing those thoughts 100% Cheryl Dan's been a fantastic member of the team going back to the TWGs when I joined he will be missed he'll definitely he was a brilliant uh, football mind like that will be hard to replace but um, replacing we will definitely try our best to replace as it stands I'm the closest person to Newcastle so yes <laughs> I I I <laughs> I love, I do love the odd trip up the freeway, but uh, not, not for all six games, maybe. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, thank you again, Dan. Thanks, Eric, for chatting to us. Thank you to Alex Shidiak, who joined us as well. G'day to Dale, who's out and about, not hanging out with us today. He's not actually out and about. I think he's working. Poor guy. Um, hey, stay tuned for the pod next week. We're bringing more special guests to us. And, and this one has um, been locked in, but we're going to leave it as a bit of a surprise for you. But I'm sure you'll all be very excited. Um, Eric, I think you've got the background on that, and I'm sure you're excited as well. Thank Thank you from me. Thank you from Eric. Thank you from the Beyond 90 team for listening to us, chatting to you again soon. See you later.